Okay, I hope you have your track shoes on. The handout that you got today begins with where we left off last week. The big idea for last week and for uh, these three weeks of looking at forgiving myself is this. Forgiveness is real. It's real when it comes from God, but it doesn't become real in my life until I learn how to forgive myself. So the question is, once again, how do I forgive myself? And today we're looking at a biblical example, a fellow by the name of Peter, a person who was with Jesus when he actually spoke the parable of the prodigal son that we looked at the first couple of weeks here. Peter was by far the most spoke, outspoken disciple that Jesus had. Outspoken to the point that he would speak before thinking. He didn't care what the consequences were. It just came out of his mouth if he had a thought. And usually it got him in trouble. And every time that I see Peter's name in the Bible, I know I can replace it with my name. And some of you may be in that same boat as well. The Bible says that the day before Jesus died, he had a last supper with his disciples. And it says this happened. Jesus said to, I mean, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you, uh, that you know me. Three times before the rooster crows you will deny that you even know me. I think, uh, I think Peter was probably offended when Jesus said that to him. I think I would be. I mean, I, would just, I just gave this profession, this, uh, this uh, uh, raving uh, uh, documentation of what I would do and how I would go with him and I was ready to do anything for him. And Peter said, no, that will never happen, Lord. No, that will never happen. I'll never deny you. I'll go to the very end. You don't have to worry about that. I would die for you, Jesus. Jesus, uh, Peter was pretty, pretty sure of himself, I think. You ever been there? Pretty sure of yourself? You know it's not going to happen again. But that same night... That same night, in the, in the same chapter here in Luke chapter 22, look what happened after Jesus was taken into custody. Beginning at verse 54, it says this, Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. He didn't want to get too close to this now. I'll follow you, but I'm not going to follow too close. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man, this man was with him. Denial number one. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. 
And he said, man, I am not. Denial number two. Verse 59, about an hour later, another asserted, certainly, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And what did Peter do? He went outside and wept bitterly. So during the most desperate time in Jesus's, of Jesus' need, Peter denied even knowing him. And immediately when he did that, <clears throat> he felt regret, he felt shame, he felt guilt. And Peter's future was in doubt at that point. What was going to happen to Peter? Well, God would forgive Peter. There's no question about that. But the question became, would Peter be able to forgive himself and to move on from this point? And in your own life, your issue may not be that you've, uh, probably it's not, and I hope it's not, that you've denied the Son of God. But it may be that you've made a mistake a mistake in a relationship, and now you're feeling guilty. It may be that you've missed God's opportunity for a career, and you're feeling regret. It may be that you've lived your life so far outside of God's will and, and what is best for your life that God has for you that you're feeling shame. But remember, it's not an issue of whether or not you were forgiven by God because you are forgiven by God if you ask for forgiveness. That's all it takes. But just like Peter, the harder question becomes, how can I forgive myself? How can I forgive myself? And there's some of you here today that are carrying around emotional baggage, and you've been doing it for a long time just because you've been unable or unwilling to forgive yourself. And you know what? Today is the day for you to take that step of forgiveness. How can I forgive myself? Well, just a couple of things. Number one, <clears throat> coming to God for forgiveness is one of the things that is required for me to forgive myself. That's number one. That's why we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. You have to come to God for forgiveness. Nobody else is going to give you, forgive you. That's the most important step, we would say. That's the foundational step. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've run from God, it's never too late to come back to God, to receive forgiveness for any sin that you've committed, forgiveness from Him. And I feel like I have to say this again, and I'll probably say it several times today. God's forgiveness is complete. It's complete, and it's unconditional forgiveness. 
All you have to do is turn to God and ask Him sincerely. And God says in His Scripture that He will forgive you every time. And here's the key to God's forgiveness. It's not only, not only does He forgive your... Does His forgiveness come... Um, with a separation that exists between you and God because of that sin that you've committed. Not only does His forgiveness assure you that you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven, but God's forgiveness also enables you to forgive yourself. That's where your ability to forgive yourself comes from, from God's forgiveness. Now, Peter had really messed up. I can't think of anything worse that you could do. But before being able to forgive himself, he had to be able to receive forgiveness from God. Do you think that God forgave Peter? Do you? Yeah. Do you think that God still had a plan for Peter's life even though he had messed up? Do you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look at our next scripture here, Mark chapter 16, from the Living Bible, verse 5 says, So they entered the tomb, and there on the right sat a young man clothed in white. The women were startled. But the angel said, Don't be surprised. Aren't you looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified? He isn't here. He has come back to life. Look, that's where his body was lying. Now go and give this message to his disciples, including Peter. What was this message? This message is, he isn't here, he's risen. Pretty big message, isn't it? And the angel says, give that message to all the disciples and Peter. They single Peter out. Underline or circle <clears throat> that little phrase, including Peter. The angel specifically said to tell Peter, let Peter know that even though he's messed up beyond anybody could, whatever, anybody could ever think, Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, Peter is forgiven. And because Jesus is alive, you are forgiven. He said, be sure to tell Peter. We need to know that God's forgiveness for us <clears throat> is forgiveness that we can receive and then we can forgive ourselves in exactly the same way. There's five important characteristics, I think, of God's forgiveness. Five of them. We'll go through them very quickly here. The first is God forgives specifically, specifically. I mean, it's easy to come to God for general forgiveness, isn't it? Hey, God, forgive me of all of my sins. I mean, that's pretty easy to say, isn't it? We all probably do that. Oh, God, forgive. I, ha I had this pastor that would get up every Sunday, and he'd say, God, forgive this pastor of his many sins. God's going to forgive you. He will forgive you your sins, but... If you're honest, most of the time, most of the time it's those specific sins in your life for which you have the most problem with forgiving yourself. 
It's those few sins in your life that you remember that cause the guilt, that cause the shame, that cause the regret. And today, God wants to forgive you for those specific things in your life, those things that are weighing you down. You just have to ask him for the specific forgiveness. So say something like this. God, I'm carrying around this baggage with me today. I yelled at the clerk in Walmart yesterday. I cheated on my tax return this year. I need you to forgive me of this specific sin so that I can forgive myself and then be ready to receive that forgiveness because it's coming. That's the first characteristic. He forgives specifically. Second, God also forgives instantly. Instantly. See, there's no begging. There's no waiting around for God. Forgiveness is there the moment that you ask for it. It's instantaneous. You just have to ask one time, sincerely. Number three, God forgives completely, specifically, instantly, completely. See, with God, there's no leftovers. There's no leftovers. There's no residual unforgiveness, a part of it hanging on there. God doesn't come back to you and say, remember when you did that? You remember that? God doesn't bring up your past sins and then throw them in your face. Corey Ten Boom, the uh, lady who lived during the Second World War, she and her family were put into a concentration camp for helping Jews to escape the, the Holocaust. Corey Ten Boom wrote in one of her books, when God forgives, it's as if he throws your sin into the deepest ocean, and then he puts a sign above that spot that says, no fishing allowed. No fishing allowed. Don't ever go back there again. When God forgives, it's done. On the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. And it never has to be forgiven again. You are completely, totally, absolutely forgiven. Number four, God forgives repeatedly. Repeatedly. When God, with God, there's no limits. Let me say that out loud with me. There are no limits. Do it with me. There are no limits. God will forgive you over and over and over without end. He will. There's never a time when you can't turn to God for forgiveness. No sin is too great. And there's no sin that you may have committed too many times that God won't forgive it. God forgives repeatedly. Which is really more important to you? God's forgiveness or your pleasure? Because that's what it comes down to for many of us, isn't it? I like doing that. You know, I really like it. Forgive me, God. I really like this. Forgive me, God. 
really like it. Let me do it again. Number five, God forgives freely. Freely. It cost him his life. But it costs you nothing. Can you say that? There's no cost for forgiveness. There's no cost for forgiveness. It's absolutely free. There's no way you can purchase it. There's no way you can earn it. There's no way to put it on a credit card. It's absolutely free. You just have to accept it. And God's forgiveness is specific, it's instantaneous, it's complete, it's repeated, and it's free. And there's no other God, no Buddha, no Allah, no government, no one. You can't find forgiveness anywhere else because this is the real thing. Look at how Paul describes God's forgiveness in Colossians chapter 2. Verse 13, I found this in the International Children's Bible. I thought, maybe we'll get this down to some language that I, even I can understand. Uh, Colossians 2.13, You were spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self. But God made you alive with Christ, and God forgave all our sins. We owed a debt because we broke God's laws. That debt listed all the rules we failed to follow. But God forgave us that debt. He took away that debt and nailed it to the cross. You see, Jesus settled the issue of forgiveness on the cross. But until you and I recognize that we are completely forgiven by God, you won't be able to offer forgiveness, and you won't be able to forgive yourself. So forgiving myself requires that I come to God first. Secondly, the second requirement, forgiving myself requires changing my pattern. Ooh. Ooh. That steps on toes, doesn't it? Uh, Peter made some significant changes in the patterns in his life after receiving God's forgiveness. Just seven weeks, Pentecost, just seven weeks after denying Jesus three times in that courtyard, Peter is teaching about Jesus to a massive crowd in Jerusalem. And after Peter teaches about Jesus, you know what? Over 3,000 people became believers for the first time, and they joined the church on to the day of Pentecost. Later, because he kept teaching with another disciple named John, he and John were arrested, and they were brought in front of this Jewish high council, high court. They were warned not to teach or to speak about Jesus in public ever again, or else. But they were talking to Peter, weren't they? Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Peter says this as just part of this uh, dissertation to the Jewish high council. Verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John 
and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They also recognized that these men had been with Jesus. The courage of Peter. This is the same guy, remember, that seven weeks before had been such a coward that he denied even knowing Jesus to a little slave girl there in the courtyard. And now this is the same guy who's preaching in front of a multitude and speaking in front of this Jewish court and is willing to speak about Jesus no matter what the cost. Eventually, eventually Peter was killed as a martyr for speaking out about Jesus. Wow. That's a lot of change in a short amount of time in Peter's life. And you may be sitting there thinking, now wait a second, did you say that I have to change as radically as Peter did? Because if you're saying that, I'm not ready to commit that way. Well, don't worry, you don't have to commit that radically. Your change doesn't have to be that radical. But unless you begin to change, change some of the destructive patterns in your life that are the source of your baggage, the source of your guilt, the source of the shame in your life, you will never be able to forgive yourself completely. And here's a question that, gosh, I've already heard it during this series, but I, I hear this all the time from people. You just said God forgives repeatedly. So can I keep asking God to forgive me for the same sins I, I keep committing over and over and over and over again? Have you ever wondered that? Well, the answer is yes. And the answer is no. First of all, if you ask for forgiveness insincerely, and you know what? I think all of us have been guilty of that at some point in our lives. If you ask for forgiveness insincerely, you know, we, we know that we're not really sorry. We don't really want to give it up. But we want God's forgiveness anyway. If you ask for forgiveness insincerely, you're sort of playing a game with God. And it's kind of like a game of Russian roulette. You see, God doesn't play games. He doesn't play games. He's not going to forgive you if you're not sincere. And when you go to God for forgiveness, you have to be sincere. Sincere that you are sorry for what you did. Sincere that you want to change and that you want to never do that again. You don't want to have the, even the desire to do it again. But, but there are times when we are sincere, when we do regret the sin in our life, when we do want to change, when we ask for forgiveness, when we receive it, when we turn, turn around and commit the same sin again and again 
and again. And we're truly sorry about that. That happens a lot with people that are suffering addictions or other habits. They just can't seem to move on from it. It's the number one source of shame in our lives. I mean, think about it. There's nothing more humiliating than not wanting to do something but not being able to not do it. Will God keep forgiving me for that? Well, the answer is yes. God will forgive you over and over again. But here's the problem, and there is a problem with it. Even though that forgiveness happens, if you keep committing that sin, that same sin, over and over and over again, you become numb to the experience. Maybe God has forgiven you, but you don't feel the forgiveness anymore because you keep falling into the same sin. The guilt begins to build up, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and, and soon you're, you're just numb to the forgiveness. But then you become numb to the sin itself. And sin holds us in so much power. We're in bondage to sin. You justify it. You make excuses for it. And you say, well, because I can't help it, it, it must not really be wrong. And the guilt, guilt just continues to build up. And I want you to listen for a minute because I think this is important. The patterns that you have in your life that cause the baggage that you drag around with you, those patterns don't just hurt you. They don't just hurt your ability to forgive yourself and your future, but they also hurt your loved ones. They hurt your future family, the generations in the future in your family. Studies show that the patterns that you sow in your life will impact your family for up to four generations in the future. And if that's true, assuming you have a family and everyone in the next four generations of that family lives to be 80 years old, the patterns that you set in your life today will affect your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren through the year 2300 and beyond. That's quite an impact. The patterns you set in your life today have consequences that are absolutely incredible. And the Bible backs this up. In Exodus, God tells us the Israelites, he, he tells the Israelites that if they obey him and do what he says and establish good patterns in their lives, he will bless them for thousands of generations. But if they set bad patterns and they disobey him, that the third and fourth generations would be separated from him. You set patterns for the future generations by the patterns that you have right now with your temper, 
with the way you argue, with the addictions you have, with how you handle conflict, whether or not you have a quiet time, whether or not you read your Bible, in the same way you have been affected by patterns of your grandparents and your parents and your brothers and sisters. So I want you to take a minute as we close out here. Take a minute and examine your life. I want you to think about the patterns in your life that are destructive, that not only have the potential to hurt you, but the habits that you don't want to see in your children or in your grandchildren or in your great-grandchildren. I want you to think about the patterns that you need to remove from your life. And I want you to write on your little handout there maybe a symbol or a letter that stands for it, maybe somebody's initials if that's part of the problem, or a scripture or a scripture address that you know that you've looked up before when you were struggling with this problem, write that there on your handout to indicate those patterns that you need to begin to remove from your life. Perhaps it's things like overusing prescription drugs, drinking too much alcohol, watching porn on the computer, being involved in that unhealthy relationship with, with that man or that woman, spending too much time at work away from your family, allowing things to negatively affect you. So make that symbol, make that, write those initials, write that verse, whatever, on your, on your handout right now. Then I want you to take another minute, and I want you to think about positive patterns that you may need to have in your life, whether it's a daily quiet time or knowing how to argue with your, your wife, what's the best way to do that to have a productive result. That's not funny. That's real important. Whether it's spending time reading your Bible, whether it's eating healthier foods, whether it's drinking fewer alcoholic beverages, not indulging in illicit drugs, whatever it might be. And here again, write a letter or a symbol or a, a initials or a scripture or a scripture address to remind you of the patterns that you need to instill in your life, instill in your family, so that the future generations will be affected by those positive patterns. But the good news of all this comes now. When God forgives you, when God enters your life, He gives you the power, the Holy Spirit, to see, to, to, uh, see those destructive patterns in your life. Sometimes we're so close we can't even see them. He allows you to see them. And then he gives you the power, the Holy Spirit again, to remove those destructive patterns and to replace those destructive patterns with positive patterns. Paul even talks about that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. He says, For God is working in you, 
giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. When God forgives you and begins to change your life, you begin to have the capacity, let's say, to forgive yourself. Now, whatever those symbols or initials or scripture or scripture address, whatever those things are that you wrote on your handout, when you come up for a communion today, I'd love for you to write them on the blackboard up here. There's chalk. Nobody's going to know what you're talking about. But it's amazing how when these boards fill up, we know that we're not alone in this struggle. So on one side, if you're over here, let's say, write destructive patterns that you need to change and then come over here and write positive ones that you want to instill. You could write destructive patterns here and positive ones over here. We're just going to jumble them up. Nobody needs to know what anybody else is writing. There's plenty of space. There's plenty of chalk, you know. You can take your time. You can do it after communion. You can do it when you come in next week. You know, I just want to fill these boards up because we are not, you are not in this alone. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, Friends, this is my body that's broken for you. And after the meal, he took a cup and poured wine in and said, This cup, this cup is the new covenant. It's in my blood that's poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Ah. He said, As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you remember my death until I come. You remember what I did. You remember that I finished the work so you didn't have to do anything other than ask for forgiveness. It was all finished on the cross. Man, what a master plan. Who could have ever thought that up? Nobody but God. Nobody but God. As the servers come... You can take a little more time to write on your, on your handouts there the patterns, the changes in patterns, either positive or negative. You can agree with God that, yes, I have this pattern and I want to do something about it, or no, I don't have this pattern and, and I need to. Would you help me, Holy Spirit? And then come for communion. Jesus is calling each one of you individually by name. The baskets up here are for your connect cards, for your tithes and offerings. Chalk is up here. Ministry team is on either side to pray with you if you would like some help uh, searching through these issues. If you have a problem with your... Uh, left knee or your right wrist, remember, I think the Holy Spirit wants to take care of that today. See one of these ministry team members here. They're ready to pray about it.
come to his table, he's calling you by name.